Let's go ahead and stand to our feet this morning as we get ready to worship the Lord. He's worthy, amen. Go ahead and give him a hand clap of praise. We serve an awesome God. Amen. Let our heart, let's just continue to worship this morning and engage the Lord because he's worthy of all our worship and praise. Amen. 
give him some praise this morning. Lord, we thank you for joy unspeakable this morning, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord.
Every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. If you believe that, give him a shout and a hand clap right now. It's better to do it right now than when this life's all over. Amen. You may have a seat. We're going to have a baptism. Any family members that want to come up are welcome to. But if you'll tell us your name and why you're getting baptized today. Uh, my name is Jerry Neal, 
and I was I was actually baptized when I was 12 years old. But I, today I want to revow to renew my vows with the Lord. We're very proud of you. You know, baptism in the Old Testament when they passed through the Red Sea. That was a type of baptism. And you know what happened after the children passed through the Red Sea? What happened to their enemies? The sea covered them up, and we're going to believe every enemy's defeat in your life. Amen? Stretch out your hand. Father, we thank you, and we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And be filled. Amen. amen. Is that son-in-law baptized in there? Amen. God bless you. Well, during the middle of worship, we're going to have a prayer time, and we're going to call our prayer team down front. But when I was praying for you this weekend, I was feeling like there were those of you that were dealing with discouragement and hopelessness. And this is a scripture that God gave me for you. Galatians 6:9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good or doing what is right. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And this is the word of the Lord to you today. Don't give up. Don't quit doing what you know you're supposed to do because God says at just the right time that you will reap that harvest that you've been waiting for. Those needs that you've been praying for and longing for, God is going to take care of you. So we're gonna call our prayer team down front and anything that you have need of, whether it's for healing, whether it's for, you've got, you need wisdom, if you have family issues, we'd like to pray with you. But especially if you are dealing with discouragement, if you are becoming tired and weary, we would like to pray with you that your hope would be restored, that discouragement would leave, and that you would see God work on your behalf and do a miracle. So we're going to continue to worship, and I will invite you to the altar. Jesus. Call upon the name of Stay, but he washed in white as 
Yeah. 
that you're here. We want you just to greet a couple people around you. Make your way back to your seats this morning. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Mardi Gras experience was incredible. I've never been on a mission trip before. We went out there on the street and um, it was chaos. You're shoulder to shoulder with people, it was insane. It's part of you know, the school and the class to go out there and, and learn how to evangelize out in the streets of, I guess, the worst of the worst. So there was this one guy that was standing there and he had this giant fishbowl punch alcohol drink with him. Within a matter of just a few moments of talking to him after the other people had already talked to him, I was actually able to lead him to Christ and see him come to Christ. And he actually put his fishbowl down and walked away from it. He was like, I don't want none of this no more. And I just walked up to him and said, can I pray with you? And he was very kind of respectful. He told me no and he walked away. But then he came back and he said yes. 
I prayed with him and it was such a unique prayer. It was like God was just coming through. I remember looking at him saying, do you believe in Jesus? And he looked up at me and his eyes were so filled with tears. And he told me no. And he pulled his hand back and he walked away. But he turned around and he looked at me and he said, thank you. And then and, and he turned around and he, he walked away. And I remember just watching him just walk away into the crowd, just disappeared. And, and it's such an honor, an incredible feeling to be a vessel for God, that he can speak through you to somebody who's broken. I've always been nervous about um, invoking the name of Jesus Christ to try to accomplish things um, such as healing and, and binding spirits and stuff. It's always made me uncomfortable because I don't want to fail at it and then have Jesus look bad because of me. But then, you know, they were talking about um, believing for miracles. And, you know, we it's not us doing anything. It's if you believe for the miracle, um, then, you know, Jesus will do amazing things. And we went out there on the street. God did do something amazing through us um, on the streets of Mardi Gras. And it was, it was uh, intimidating at some points. It was um, definitely not my comfort zone, but um, it, was, it was something I really enjoyed and I would love to do something like that again because uh, I'm so much bolder now than I, than I was before. I was really sad that it ended. I wanted to go out and, you know, the next day and the next day after, but um, it's okay because Mardi Gras 2017, here we come. if the people of God started handling money God's ways. You work too hard to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. This is my family's legacy that I'm talking about here. I've got to have a plan and be focused. That knowledge that you pass down to your kids, that is how you change a family tree. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you have that moment where you say, I've had it. I'm not going to live like this anymore. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, we are really, really glad you're here. In just a minute, I'm going to take an opportunity to pray for our nation, our local area, because we're coming into an election season. And let me know it's not only a privilege, it's an opportunity, but it's a duty of Christians to be able to do our best to elect godly people that reflect our values in politics. And uh, we have a voter education table in the lobby. It's, got, uh, it's a nonpartisan guide, Arkansas and Texas. 
a lot of information out there. I hope you pick something up on the way. But uh, if you happen to be running for political office or if you're in a political office, we'd like to pray for you. Uh, if you'll make your way to the stage. And I also want to pray for, we've got a trip to Thailand coming up. We've got eight ladies going. Y'all come up too. We'll pray for you as well. We do want to welcome to Church on the Rock. You know, we had a great uh, marriage seminar Friday and Saturday. It was a simulcast with Jimmy Evans and uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. Great, great uh, time and just some great information for marriages. But if you weren't able to make that, you know, in our ministry guide in the back of your chair, there's all sorts of small groups. There's four or five marriage groups you can come to on a Wednesday night. And one is uh, facilitated a DVD by Dr. Henry Cloud. There's a Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. There's even one if you're uh, raising a blended family and help in that area. So check out the ministry guide if you want to find uh, some ways to get connected there. And when you leave the service today, be sure to buy a lot of good snacks so we can send a lot of those little kids and young kids, not little, but they're young kids, to camp this summer. Yeah, praise the Lord. James, come on over. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for you first. Tell us uh, who you are and what you're doing. I'm James Prince. I'm your sheriff. Uh, actually, my fourth term. God's blessed me. I've been the longest sheriff in the history of the county so far. Wow. Bless wow. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I'm not supposed to officially endorse, endorse someone, but I would like to just thank you. I mean, I've known you, Bowie County resident, for a long time. You've been coming to our church for a number of years. I'd just like to say thank you for your faithful service. I mean, can, I, can I give a short testimony on something? Yeah, just real quick. Real quick. I knew when I first ran for sheriff, I had to have God in my life really hard. I was raised up in church, but I knew there were some things in my life that weren't there. I had a bad, bad mouth of profanity, okay? I was coming across the interstate at Hooks, praying for God, because I knew I had to have that. The devil was telling me, you can't quit cussing, you'll never be that Christian you want to be. He delivered me from that as I crossed that bridge on the interstate, and I went to bawling like a baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, God's been with me. I've asked him to be my campaign manager. When anybody asks me, who's your campaign manager? It's God. And he's guided me through my whole term, and I love him for it, and I love this church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to pray for you in just a second. Come on over here, girls. Just stand right here. And what are y'all doing? We are leaving in the morning, bright and early for Thailand. There's nine of us going, and we are really excited. Women's conferences, ministering in two Bible schools, orphanage, a slum ministry, and they got us busy. Two weeks. Wow. So y'all are all leaving your husbands, you that are married, well, on yeah, Valentine's. You aren't married. <laughs> Today's Valentine's Day, so no, we're not leaving till tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> all right. No problem. Two weeks. Seriously, we're real happy for you. I married a missionary, and I am. I want to say publicly, I am proud of you for leading people to take the gospel around the world. Right. It's okay that I eat a cup of soup twice a day, seven days okay, a week. Okay, so he's asking for meals to be brought <laughs> to him. I am not. I am not. I am not. I am not. Let's pray. See what you've done. We'll pray for them first. Well, Lord, we want to pray, Lord, for every, every person that's going to be elected to office. We would ask you that you would help godly men come to turn the nation around, turn the city around, turn, Lord, local government around, turn our state around, Texas, Arkansas. We pray, Lord, that you would let your kingdom come and let your will be done. We pray that Christians would do our responsibility to educate ourselves and to vote. And we ask you to bless Brother James, Lord, as he has endeavored to serve you unashamedly as a Christian. We ask you to protect him and every deputy and every person that serves in law enforcement in our area. Please, Lord, don't let them suffer any acts of violence against them, but keep them all in the palm of your hand. 
Lord, we ask you to bless these ladies as they go on this trip. We pray that you would smile on them. We pray that their ministry would be fruitful. And God, we pray that you would keep them safe. Lord, let them bear fruit for last for eternity and bring them back home safely. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give them all a big hand. God bless you. We love you. Amen. You know, we're going to continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. If you've been following our Bible guide, if not, you can get it online. You can get our app, or you can just pick one up on the way out. But we read a couple chapters a day together. But in Ecclesiastes last, this last week, in chapter 11, it's a whole chapter. Solomon's given some great wisdom about giving, but about having a spirit of generosity. And in Ecclesiastes uh, 11, verse 1 and 2, it says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it many days, after many days, Give a serving to seven and also to eight. You do not know what evil will be on the earth. But let me read that in the message version. It kind of brings it even more to light. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others. This could be your last night. I mean, just kind of, we can't take it with us, can we? But there are just some quick points I want to make. I won't take long. But they're just, first of all, first point is givers go first. To people that have a spirit of generosity are just the first to step out and give, and they're always first to give God glory, always first to give God, you know, their 10%. And the other thing, givers receive a return. It says all the way back in the times of Noah, when you see that rainbow, there's always going to be harvest time and seed time as long as there's it. When I tell you, you cannot get out give God. When you plant a seed, he just can't help but give you something back. And the return may not be immediate. How many have realized that? When you plant a garden, those seeds just come up the next day. Sometimes they're out there a while, but they're always faithful to come forth. And the fourth one, giving does not keep us from misfortune. I mean, it rains on the just and unjust. I mean, bad things happen to good people too. So, uh, you know, sometimes as Christians, man, I got that bumper sticker that says I love Jesus, and why is this stuff happening to me? But, you know, he'll get you through those hard times, won't he? And the other one is if you do not give, you cannot expect a return. If you don't put something in the ground, there's no way you can get a harvest. And so just putting those seeds out there, uh, you know, you'll see a return. And the return will be proportional to your giving. It says with the same measure you use, the measure will be given back to you, even more so. And when you plant one seed in the ground, you might get 10 or 100 seeds back. But you plant 1,000, you'll get a whole bunch back. And it's just proportional. And the last one, the most important, the motive for giving is love for God. Isn't that right? And I tell you, I'm proud to be a part of a church that loves God. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about you people that every time a missionary shows up, you give extra. Every time, I mean, we got people reaching the homeless. We got people uh, just helping all over, investing in our children and our youth. And I'm just proud to be a part of a church like that. Amen. God bless you as you give today. That's you. 
heads and just say, Lord, we love you. Come on, say it out loud. Say, Lord, I love you. You first loved me, but I'm so glad you reached out to me. Well, as we stand before you today, we just simply declare that we don't want to be worldly. We don't want to be, Lord, ungodly. We don't want to have idols in our life. We don't want anything to be more important than you. And we pray in these next few moments as we open the Bible, we pray that God would speak to us. It would just be like a private dialogue where the Spirit of the Lord is welcome to speak to us in our own lives. And we just bless you this morning. We love you, Lord. Come on, reach out to heaven just a moment and say, Lord, I love you. And I know, Lord, you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to take care of my family. You're going to take care of America. We welcome you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you are looking good. You may be seated. Well, turn your Bibles this morning. We're going to begin in Proverbs 24 in just a moment. But we started a series last week called What's Inside? Can you say that with me? What's Inside? What's Inside? It's a series about character. It's about values. It's about principles that guide us in life. As we saw last week, we're going to look at a godly principle, a godly portion of character with a worldly counterpart. Last week, if you were here, we talked about integrity or deception. And we're going to ask a question each week. Last week, we asked the question regarding integrity, are we honest and truthful or do we lie, cheat, and steal? Now, this morning, I'm going to ask the question, do I take care of my responsibilities or do I expect someone else to take care of me? Do I expect someone else to do it? I've entitled it Responsible or Irresponsible. So this idea of being responsible, a, a responsible person is simply someone that takes care of their obligations. Now, to be responsible in a general character trait, I mean, that's a good thing to be responsible in life. If you want to get ahead in your workplace, just be responsible. And what I mean by that is if you see a piece of paper on the floor, whether it's your job or not, pick it up. If you're leaving work and you see someone's left some lights on, turn them off. I tell you what, if you will do that, you will get someone's attention because the world is looking for people of character in their life. Competency is important, but how many know you can be as competent uh, uh, as you could be qualified in the workplace in your educational endeavors, but if you don't have character, how many know competency won't take you all the way? It's a balance of both. The idea of being responsible, a responsible person, as we're going to look at today, is not just someone who turns out the lights, but someone primarily who is taking care of their God-given obligations in life. And I'm going to talk about three this morning. I'm going to talk about the responsibility to take care of ourselves, not to have to depend on someone else to care for us, but taking care of ourselves. Secondly, we'll talk about taking care of our family. And then lastly, we'll talk about what the Bible says about taking care of the poor and needy. As we look at it today, if I, if I were to just talk about a responsible person, it's a person that works, it's a person that pays their bills, it's a person that plans for the future, it's a person that doesn't blame their problems on someone else, they're not a, a victim, but they're someone that with, believes that between them and God, they can get ahead in life. 
And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, but I want to uh, introduce it with a, a little video clip from a movie, and it's about a little boy who's carrying a great struggle in life because dad left before he was born. Take a little peek at this, and then we'll be in Proverbs 24. Hey, sport. Hey, Mom. How's school? Okay. Yeah. We learned about dinosaurs, and I got in a fight with Billy Mikowski. What happened? He hit me. Did you hit him back? Good. Rule number one, remember? Never start a fight. Always finish it. Why'd he hit you? Because I hit him. You hit him first? Why? I said my dad ran off because he didn't like me. Honey, your father never met you. So how could he not like you? Then so why did you leave? Well, because the day you were born, Something else arrived in the mail. It was in a box a little bit bigger than you. You know what was in it? Something called responsibility. And to some people, responsibility is the scariest thing in the world. So he ran away because he was scared of what was in that box? Mm-hmm. That's dumb. That is exactly what I thought. Well, there you go. On the outside, it looks like a little boy that's really struggling. He wonders where his dad is, and mom's trying to explain why dad left him. And the bottom line, though, is dad was not responsible. I mean, it's easy to get yourself in a situation, but it's difficult sometimes to do the right thing when something happened you didn't want. He probably was an unwanted pregnancy, but lo and behold, he split. And he left in his wake a little boy that's struggling with what's wrong with me. I mean, no, we as responsible people will affect other people by our choices, either for good or bad. Now, I want to start in Proverbs 24, and first we want to look at the flip side or the negative side or what we don't want to be, and that's irresponsible, because irresponsible people are ignoring their God-given obligations. Proverbs 24, it's a picture. The writer said, I walk by the field of a lazy person. I walk by the vineyard of one with no common sense. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. And it was a, a picture of poverty. We see this guy described as a lazy person. He wasn't willing to get up and work. In an agrarian society as they were in, how many know your livelihood for most people came from their garden? It came from their field. It came from their vineyards. And if you happen to be a gardener, I am. I've been working on my garden feverishly the last few weeks. It's been pretty outside. Planted potatoes yesterday and onions and those kind of things. But I got them in the ground. But one thing I did and one thing I'm very studious to do is pull up weeds. Because you'll find in your neighborhood a lot of people will till up the ground. A lot of people will run a disc across the ground. And it looks just like dirt. They'll put the plants in. But lo and behold, if you don't tend that garden and weeding is no fun, what will happen is your little pepper plants that you bought will be this high and the weeds will be that high. And you might get one or two little small peppers or a small tomato or two, but the weeds will take over because you didn't invest the time. You weren't responsible to care for the garden. And that's exactly the portrait that's painted for us. Here's a guy that's supposed to be making money off this vineyard. There's a wall, likely a stone wall that surrounded it, but the rocks were broken down. Animals could get in. Uh, thieves could break in. He didn't take care of it. And I suggest to you that his home was probably the same way. His toilets were probably running. Uh, the fans were probably squeaking. There were probably uh, cracks in the wall that needed repair. Because how many know laziness as a character flaw will affect everything you do? 
Laziness will keep you from getting an education. It'll cause you to skip school. Uh, laziness will keep you from showing up to work on time. Laziness will cause you to spend an, or, an inordinate amount of time on Facebook rather than on the job. But the scripture tells us this about this guy, the writer of Proverbs. And of course, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And here's, here's what he gleaned from this. He said, uh, I looked and thought about it and I learned a lesson. A little extra sleep. Now, how many know sleep is necessary and it's a good thing? But how many know at some point where sleep becomes laziness and a sluggard? I don't know how many times that you can hit the snooze button on the iPhone. But I do know this. At some point, too much sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And then verse 34, the cause and effect. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Now, no one wants to be in poverty. No one wants to be in lack. Scarcity is a word that describes not having enough, not having enough to buy a new pair of tennis shoes when the style changes or not having enough to you know, buy a new car rather than having to fix the old one. Nobody wants to be like that. But there's a lesson here, and it's a lesson about character, and it's about our willingness or unwillingness to work. It was this man's lack of biblical character that caused him to live in poverty. And how many know it's the same today? That's the cool thing about the Bible. The Bible was written in a specific historical context for specific problems, but it is just as relevant today as it was the day it was written. There's a website called Fabulously Broke, and it's statistics on workplace productivity. And in their research, they found that the average employee they interviewed wasted three hours a day surfing the web on social media, just hanging out, fooling around, but at the same time, they were complaining because they didn't make enough money. And it's America today. Do you know in America you can be lazy and irresponsible and the government will support you? Let me say that again. In America, you can be lazy and irresponsible and the government will support you. Now, first of all, let me say this. I'm glad I live in America. I'm glad that in America nobody will go hungry. I'm glad in America today we have a system to be able to take care of people if they need food. I'm glad in America that unless you want to live on the street, that you can find a place to sleep at night. Come on. I'm glad I live in a nation today that if I cannot work, if I'm disabled, there's a safety net of care, of welfare to be able to take care of me and the needs and struggles I have in life. Come on. I mean, no, that's a good thing. I mean, no, it's a good thing that when you retire, you don't have to just eat dog food in America today, that there is a social security, there's a safety net. But here's the deal. Uh, Paul Ryan said this. He said, our safety net could become a hammock that lulls able-bodied people into lives of dependency and complacency. Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, says what was intended to be a safety net can become a hammock, this idea of assistance when I'm in trouble, and it can lull you to sleep. It can make you complacent and dependent. And that's the problem because in our system today, sadly, our politicians care more about getting our votes, so they promise us things and stuff if we'll just vote for them. Sometimes they give us the goodies and sometimes they don't. If you listen to the political left today, they, they tell you that not only are you going to get free health care, they don't talk about the quality of it, but they say you should get free health care, you should get free college education. Now, if you've had to get student loans, who wouldn't want to be able to get a free education? But the problem is we can't educate everybody, take care of everybody, feed everybody, give everybody a free cell phone. I read this week that immigrants coming across our border, which they pour across our borders, not just immigrants from Central and South America, but Cuban, uh, Cuban immigrants pouring across the Texas border. It's because our politicians want votes, 
and they'll take whatever they have to to be able to get those votes, and they give free smartphones to be able to help track the folks. Now look, everybody wants to have the nice things of life. But the problem is, if you depend on that system to take care of you, it'll never give you the life of prosperity that you want. There's not enough money in the world to make everybody rich. And the problem is, in what's called means-tested government assistance, if you make over so much, you lose the benefit. And a lot of people find it's better to stay on unemployment than get another job. It's better to stay on assistance than be able to get out there and get out there and work and make something of my life. But the problem is, it can make you lazy, it can make you dependent, it can make you lie, and you'll never get ahead in life. Come on. You may have just enough, but you won't have enough to have the life that you want to have and you want to give to your children. So on one hand, we're grateful to live in the nation, but what's happening in our nation has become destructive, appealing to people's base desires as opposed to being built on godly character. Now let me say this. Certainly, if you, if you need assistance, do not at all feel guilty about what I'm saying. If you're a part of the working poor in America, and the working poor in America are people that are working one or two jobs, the husband and the wife, get a little assistance and still can barely make it in life today. Listen, I, I, I wish I had a magic wand and could do something about it, but we live in complex times. If there's some uh, uh, opportunity for care available for me and for my family and I can use it, listen, I'm going to take advantage of it, but I don't want to become dependent on that. I want to become stay dependent on God and I want to trust that God can help me get out, that God can help me find a springboard, that God can help me become the person that He wants me to be, that He's created me to be, rather than looking for someone else to take care of me. One of my great desires is that the church would rise up and begin to care for people and do something that government can never do. You that are, are, I guarantee you there's people in this room that are successful that if someone would just come up to them and say, would you help me be successful? Would you show me how to have a good life? There are scores of people that would help people that don't just want to hand up or don't want to hand out but want to hand up. Amen. See, that's what the church should be doing, lifting people up. Well, this is kind of the world that we live in today. That's the negative side. That's the irresponsible side. Irresponsibility includes things like get-rich-quick schemes. Proverbs 28.20 said, get-rich-quick schemes are rip-offs. How many have gotten something in the mail saying your $2,000 is waiting? Just send me your email address. How many have got a key in the mail from a car company that sent out $25,000 and says your car is waiting there? It may not have tires, wheels, or an engine, but you, your car is waiting there. You know, how many have been watching late night TV and for $299 you can become one of the rich and famous of the world? Well, listen, it's a get rich quick scheme. It's a ripoff. That same verse says committed and persistent work pays off. Pays off little by little. Another, another uh, uh, idea of irresponsibility, what irresponsible people tend to do is gambling. Now, gambling is a hope that I can give a dollar and make 10 or make 100. Or how about this? I can buy a lotto ticket and win a billion dollars. <laughs> and you saw the TV. I mean, people were in line with you. You know that right out there. <laughs> they were out there trying to buy that ticket. So I could become a billionaire. Did you make it? <laughs> oh, Pastor, but you got to be in it to win it. Okay. Do you know that lotteries and gambling and all that, you know, people that are hurt the most by that are the poor because they want to get out of poverty, but the problem is it's the wrong way to get out of poverty, and it just takes a big chunk of most of the money that you have. 
It is an irresponsible way to manage what God's put in your hands. Irresponsible people tend to try to escape their world through drinking and a drug, and before you know it, drunkenness and, and alcoholism and, 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 and addiction has set into their lives, and then they have to take the next step as they have to steal because they don't have the money, come on, because the crack pipe has got a hold of them, because the meth man won't let them go, and then they have to steal from their family, steal from somebody else, and then before you know it, they've got an orange jumpsuit on, they're in the newspaper eating three square meals a day at the jail. See, this is the result of irresponsible living. Let's do the flip side now because God wants us to be responsible and work to take care of ourselves. God wants to bless us. The Bible says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. And that doesn't mean we're all be millionaires, but it does mean that you can be better off to tomorrow with God if you apply His principles in your life today. Now, let me give you the three things that we want to learn quickly it, the first thing about being responsible, I'm first responsible to take care of myself. I'm first responsible. Now, I'm going to do nothing in the rest of this message but just read Bible verses. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. You should mind your own business and work with your own hands. Listen, and the reason you're to work with your own hands is so your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Now, why in the world would he talk about our reputation as the first thing for work? Because as a Christian, come on, we don't want to live with our hand out for someone when we talk about a good God that wants to take care of us. Are you with me? But listen to the next thing he said. He said, so you will not be dependent on anybody. Work with your own hands so you won't be dependent on anybody. Now, that doesn't mean that you're self-sufficient and arrogant and proud. How I many know we are to be humble and recognize that every good thing in our life comes from God? Come on. We're to recognize that it's in Him we live and move and have our being. But, but we as Christians are supposed to live not dependent on another person. Work is God's, God's way so we can earn money to take care of ourselves. Work is the vehicle whereby God would choose to put bread on our table. It's whereby God would choose to take care of us. Now, how many know when you're a child, you're supposed to be taken care of? Uh, last night, uh, what we're doing on Saturday nights once a month is the Kids Zone workers uh, is they're sponsoring a, a, a date night for mom and dad. So come to church on Saturday night and leave your kid for a couple hours and go out on a date. Well, anyway, Linnell and I, after church, we went to get some pizza for these kids, and we walked in the nursery, and there's this room full of three-year-olds, and we walked in with the pizza, and they all said, pizza, 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 pizza. And I said, give me your debit card first, please. <laughs> no. My wife asked them about how much tip she was going to get, not me. <laughs> you don't ask a three-year-old, give me some money for the pizza. You take care of them. But how many know it's different when you're 16? You need to start learning responsibility. Come on, we live in a world today where we, we just give people stuff. We give our kids stuff, and we don't attach any responsibility to it. So they respond at 16 the way they did when they were two or three. And they expect you to give it to them. And as parents, we want to bless our kids, but I'm not helping my kid if I don't teach them to be responsible. Because then they're not just 16, then they're 18 or 19, and then I have to take care of them at that stage of life. And then they're 25 and have a degree that they may not be able to get a job in, or maybe they didn't even finish school, and they're living at home again. 
Now look, I was thrilled when my daughter, after her college, came to live home with us for a year. Daddy wants his little girl to be there all the time. But you know what? Something is wrong when a kid that's 18, 20, 25 acts as a kid when they're 2, 3, 4, 5, or 6. The kid has to live with it, but it's mom and dad's responsibility. Listen, I taught my son to work right out in this park out here, raking pine needles when it was hot. I'm glad it wasn't a microphone. You could have heard us cursing out there. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it, was, it, it was tough. Let me tell you what a mean father I was. In August, when we did some rock work out front, I made him pick up the rocks after the contractor got through. Now, come on. That's bad. But in August, it's 105 degrees. He's picking up rocks. He's 18 years of old. A landscaper drove up that had a company based in Pittman, saw this kid working, got to talking to him, and he said, I'm going to school at SAU. And right there, she said, I'll give you a job. Why'd she do that? Because he was willing to work. Did he want to work? No. <laughs> but he learned to be responsible. And then when he's at school... You know, we did the best we could to help him with things, but he had to get a job to be able to work a little bit. And he comes home uh, towards the end of his degree complaining, why do I have to work and other kids don't have to work? Well, guess what? In that process, he was in an accounting course. A CPA wanted to hire somebody. There was 20 kids in the pool. He got the job with the CPA. Are you with me today? Today he's got an MBA and he's on Easy Street. And here's the lesson. Play now, pay later. But if you pay now, you can play later. But one day you got to pay. And it's about being responsible and not pushing it off on somebody else. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 7, you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Now listen to this. Paul is talking about the way he lived his life. He said, we were not idle or we were not lazy when we were with you. We didn't eat anyone's food without paying for it. Now, he's not saying that you can't go to someone and haggle over the ticket and let somebody buy your lunch every once in a while. But what he is saying is don't go to the bathroom, come on, when the waitress is bringing the bill every time. There's a guilty snicker from several in the audience today. He's saying I took care of myself. On the contrary, now mind you now, this is the guy that wrote two-thirds in the New Testament that took the gospel to the Gentile world. He said, we work night and day, laboring and toiling, so we wouldn't have to be a burden to any of you. What's he saying? Take care of yourself. He said, we did this not because we didn't have the right to such help. I'm going to come back to that. But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Now, this idea of a right to support, uh, it, there's a biblical basis for churches to support their missionaries and their ministers. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said, The Lord ordered that those who preach the good news or the gospel should be supported by those who benefit from it. That's why when we bring a missionary in or, or when we have a special guest speaker or pastor, that's why I give you an opportunity if you'd like to give a second offering to them. And if you don't, you don't ever have to do that. But it's a chance to be responsible. Come on, it's a chance to take care of the ministers of the gospel. Now, here Paul said, I have the right to support, but I wouldn't take it because there was a culture of laziness in the midst. There was a culture of people that were dependent on others, and he said, I saw a better way. Look at verse 10. When we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work. Boy, if CNN was here today, they would call me a, a hateful preacher that didn't want people, wants to starve people. He didn't say people should starve. Come on. 
But how many know if your belly aches just a little bit, it'll motivate you to get out and go to work? How many know if everything is always given to you and you don't get a little push to get out there and take care of yourself? He said, uh, uh, we hear among you some are idle. They refuse to work. And now hear me now. There's a difference between those that cannot work because they're disabled, because they have a mental incapacity, because of their age, whether young or old. I mean, there's a difference between those that can't work, but those that can work and won't work is who we're talking about. No one in this room should should feel a, a penny's worth of guilt today, wherever you are. I don't care if you're the laziest person in the room. I don't want you to feel guilty, but if it's truth from the Bible, come on, I want to shake you a little bit. But don't let the devil put any false condemnation on you for any reason. Listen, if you're struggling in life and you need some help and someone's willing to help you, say, God bless you. But do your best, come on, to be able to take care of yourself. I'm preaching way better than your amening in this service. I got an amen in the last service. Look at verse 12. This must not be tolerated. We command them to get to work immediately. No excuses, no arguments. Earn your own keep. Everybody say, earn your own keep. Yeah. Don't slack off in doing your duty. So this first point was about a Christian responsibility to read our Bibles, to pray, to worship with other believers, to share our faith, to, to you know, work. And it's right in there with biblical responsibilities. Now, let me give you the second one. Responsible people not only take care of themselves, but they work to take care of their family. I mean, no, not every one of us can take care of themselves. It's an opportunity to show the love of God. Now, let me read this verse, and I think this is probably the most pivotal verse of the whole message. So if you've fallen asleep or if you're mad at me, wake up or drop your wall. And I need my LOL sign somewhere. That was a joke. First um, Timothy 5.8. Whoever does not care for his own relatives, especially his own family members, now listen to this, has turned against the faith and is worse than someone who doesn't even believe in God. Some translations say worse than an infidel. Did you know that was in the Bible? That if I don't take care of my family, I'm worse than someone who doesn't believe in God. Now, parents taking care of their children, that's the first, the most obvious one. Uh, I I can tell you of a surety today, I have less money because I have had John Henry, uh, Bethany, and now Rebecca. And Rebecca. And Rebecca. She's my strong-willed one. She loves nice things. I love to give them to her, and she loves to receive them. But she's also learning to work as a 16-year-old and got a little part-time job going. And I'm so proud of her. And we sit down and talk about her little job, about how much she makes an hour and how many hours she has to work to get it. And I say, honey, now is the time of your life to do everything you can to get your ACT core as high as you can so you can get scholarship money. Come on. So you can work your way in your developmental decade so you can get not just a job but a profession that will pay you, come on, to be able to take care of your dad when dad gets old. (laughs) Parents take care of their children. But how about, remember the video? How about the dad who had a child but walked away? Now That's a tough one in America today. We live in this free sex world today. Have sex with whoever, whenever, as often as you can. But the responsibility for my actions 
So many would sleep with someone and she's pregnant and said, well, I hadn't counted on this. Well, listen, you're a parent. Whether you're married or not, whether you want to be or not, come on, when a baby's conceived, you're a parent. The website singleparents.com says only 43% of single moms or single parents that should get child support get a full payment. 43%, 4 in 10, get what they should be getting to help raise that child. 26% or 1 in 4 don't get anything. Can I tell you, that's wrong. If you have a child, whether you're married or not, whether you planned on it or not, there's a responsibility. Come on now. Because you don't want that child to turn out like the kid in the video who's having to get in fights because they think something's wrong with them because dad wasn't a part of their life. I'm preaching better than you're amening again there. How about children taking care of aging parents? Now, in America today, I mean, that's what you have nursing homes for. Yeah, nursing homes have their place, but children have the first responsibility. It's complicated in America because, listen, mom and dad are both working. You're trying to raise kids. Grandma has dementia. Nobody can stay home with her. Listen, there's a place in our culture. Uh, mom and dad should be responsible to take care of themselves. But you know what? I hope my kids take care of me like I took care of them. I hope I take care of my parents if they need my care the same way that they took care of me. I hope I'm willing to sacrifice just like I saw Linnell's parents sacrifice for Linnell's grandmother when she became old in life. So the second reason the Bible says we work is so that we can care for our family. Now listen, I, this is difficult. If you don't have a lot, listen, it's hard to live in America today. They have been inflating our money and printing phony money for so long, our money's not worth hardly anything in America today. It just doesn't go far enough, and there's a pressure on everyone in this room because there's never enough money. And you may not have the ability to totally take care of Grandma, but listen, start with five bucks. Start with something. Do something in life to step into this biblical responsibility and trust the Lord to help you. Let me wrap up with this. Responsible people take care of the poor and needy. Now, you say, well, Pastor, I just thought that if I worked and got a job, that's so I could add HBO to my dish package. Maybe. How about this? And I bet you didn't know this was in the Bible either. Ephesians 4, 28. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. But he must work. work. Stop the irresponsible behavior. Stop the ungodly behavior. Stop the unbiblical behavior and go to work. Do something useful with your hands. Why? So you may have something to share with those. Now, how did we go from stealing to sharing? We got saved, and then we started living by the Bible. Now listen, you can't solve the, the problems of every poor person in America or every poor person in Texarkana, but you can help somebody. You can, every check you cash, you can put $5 in a little special place in your billfold, $10, $20, $100, something, so that the Holy Spirit could take and use you to help someone, come on, that's in need. It's responsible Christian living. The purpose of work is not just to meet my needs, but it's to help other people. I'll close with this scripture, actually two more. Acts 20, Paul the Apostle said, These hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. I've been a constant example how you can help those in need by working Isn't that interesting? And it's not a punitive thing. And this is what I want you to hear. This is not some preacher wanting your money. I don't want a penny out of what I'm talking about today. 
This is simply saying God has a plan that not only would I take care of myself, but I'd have a place for my family and I would care about poor needy people that God brings in my pathway. And then this incredible verse. He said, remember the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than receive. How many like to receive? Let me see your hands here. Boy, I do. I like birthdays. I like Christmas. I like unexpected things. I like Pastor Appreciation Month. I, I like all of it. But Jesus said, something special's headed your way if you learn to incorporate caring for people in the way you live your life. Listen, I'm not saying don't go on a vacation. I'm not saying don't buy a new car. I'm just saying make a little place in your life to help people because it's the way we let our light shine. Amen? Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand. I'll close with this as our worship team comes. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? In Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, Daniel is a slave when he is a boy. He was, he was taken forcibly out of his nation. And he's in a land he doesn't want to be, but somehow this slave becomes the governor. In verse 4, it says, The other administrators and high officers were searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. Now listen to this. They were jealous. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn because he was faithful. Say it with me. Always responsible and what is this character? Faithful, always responsible. Turn out the lights, pick up the paper, make sure everybody's taken care of, make sure nobody's left behind. Always responsible and completely trustworthy. And you know what God did? God said, I see that. Now you're not staying at the bottom, you're coming up the ladder. And I want to tell you, if God did that for Daniel, God can do that for us. That if I will make a choice today that I'm going to repent from irresponsible behavior and I'm going to begin to do the best of my ability to live as a responsible Christian in this world, I want to tell you, God can do something big through us. I'm going to close our service this way today. Obviously, all of us, I hope, making that commitment to God today. I don't know what the Holy Spirit might have put His finger on in your life today, but I want to encourage you, say yes to God before you leave this place. If maybe the Lord has convicted you of some irresponsible behavior, laziness in your life, or not caring or neglecting people, being selfish, just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for that. Would you please help me change? And do what the Bible says today. We repent and we start to do right. But I'm going to make a chance, one last chance for prayer. Because I find that in every message, it's like the Holy Spirit puts His finger on something in our lives. And I've found this from experience. I'll make a better God connection if I respond in God's house at His altar than if I tell myself I'll pray when I get in the car because something happens between here and the car. And if there's something that the Lord's dealing with you about, you want someone to pray with you about. Maybe you want to get ahead and don't know how. You just need for God to take you to the next step. Let us pray for you this morning. We'll pray about anything, but particularly about this message. And the most important thing I'd like to pray with you about today is your relationship with God. Maybe your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. Maybe you don't even know if you died today, if you'd go to heaven or hell. Can I tell you, friend, heaven is real and hell is real, and we often don't know the day of our death. Let me say this to you. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. I don't care how good your character is. It only takes one sin to make a sinner. I mean, no, we're all guilty. We're all separated from God, and we all need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. Maybe you want someone to pray with you and lead you into a relationship with Christ. We'd be honored to pray with you. If that's you and your spiritual need is for salvation, I'm going to ask you when we come forward just to gather over at this cross and someone will pray for you there. 
or whatever, we're going to pray one last song and then dismiss. As he starts to play, I'm going to encourage our prayer team to come to the front. And if you want prayer for anything, anything at all, you come, let us pray for you. But most importantly, if you want to commit your life to Christ, slip on over the cross and we'll pray. I love you. Thanks for being here today. Sing with us this last song. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And oh God, let us be a generation that sees. Seeks your face, oh God of Jacob, and oh God, let us be a generation that sees. Seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. For the next few moments, our prayer team is going to stay down front, and as they do, we want to encourage you if you need prayer for anything we'd love to pray for you uh, but at this time you can feel free to be dismissed we love you guys and pray that we get to see you next week